Well, good morning. My name is Eric Miller, and I am the youth pastor here, and uh, I have a couple updates. Wasn't it good to hear Bob talking about how he stepped into obedience and God used him? Man, I want that for all of us. And, and so it was so cool last night uh, that I got home, and I, I saw my email. Uh, that Convoy of Hope had sent out an email, and they gave some updated statistics. And it talked about all of the, the shoes that were given out at Convoy of Hope yesterday, all of the, the bags of groceries, and all these numbers. But the number that stuck out to me the most was that it said 120 people prayed to receive Christ as their Savior yesterday. So it's more than the 16. Yeah, we can cheer for that. It's more than the 16 that Bob saw. 120 people. That's incredible. That's awesome. Who cares how many bags of groceries were given out? That's what it's about, is seeing their lives changed and seeing people cross from death into life. Man, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, Also, I want to give you guys an update on Pastor R. He is healing. He is doing well. Um, The antibiotics are working. He has to do this pick line where uh, a couple times a day he has home health care people that are coming and taking care of him. Uh, But he's got a lot of antibiotics that have to go in him in order to keep killing off that infection that's there. So please keep praying for that. Um, There is still an opportunity. If you would like to take a meal uh, to Pastor R, there's, I think, one spot left. Uh, My wife... I get to say that now. Uh, Bethany is in charge of that. So if you would like to take a meal, uh, you can talk to her at the end of the service. Uh, But please keep praying for Pastor R. You can send him uh, your greetings and your prayers on Facebook or to his email. uh, And please, I encourage you to do that. So uh, this morning, we're going to hop into the word, as Scott said. And uh, I'm excited about continuing this series that we are in. I am understanding our identity in Christ who we are in our relationship with him, how God sees us. And about eight weeks ago, we started out with understanding that I am because he is. And then in week two, Pastor Mike talked to us about how we are chosen by God. God chose us uh, before the creation of the world. And so because of that desire, we should honor him because he desires to be in a relationship with us. And then Tim talked about, Tim Hampton talked about how we're adopted. We're adopted into God's family. We're adopted as his Uh, sons and daughters. And then in week four, Pastor Dan talked to us about this idea of forgiveness, how God has forgiven us, and so we can forgive others. And then Pastor Scott talked about how we're sealed. I am sealed. I am secure. He gave that great illustration with the wax and the seal, the ring, the signia. Uh, And then Tim Hampton and Alec Hale talked about how we're rich. God is so rich, and because of our relationship with him, we're rich in Christ because he is enough. And then last week we heard from Paul Wareham, and he talked about how I am alive, I am redeemed, I can live victoriously because of Christ. It's all I am because he is. That's the idea. And so this morning, if you don't hear anything else, I need you to hear this. The whole idea is that I am seated with Christ, and therefore I have access. I have continual access to the Father. Now, that's a powerful statement, isn't it? All right, well, we're going to get there, okay. Um, So hopefully by the end of the morning, all right, we're going to understand how powerful this really is. All right, so join me in a word of prayer. God, would you speak to us? Lord, would you make your word come alive? Would you draw us near to you, God? I pray that this morning we truly would understand how powerful of a statement it is that we are seated with Christ and we have continual access to you, Lord. So I pray that you would remove all the distractions from our minds and our hearts. Lord, help us to, to wake up and, and be prepared to hear what you have to say to us this morning through your word. 
pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. So why do we need to know this? Why do we need to know and understand that I'm seated with Christ and I have access to the Father? Well, I think it is so important that that idea should draw us deeper into dependence with God and deeper into our relationship with him. Now, let me help you think through what that looks like. Guys, maybe you can remember the first time that you saw the girl that you wanted to get to know, you wanted to date. What did you do? You asked her for her number, for her digits, right? Because that gave you access to her. Now, maybe, ladies, some of you did that. But uh, the guys, when, when you first start to get to know someone, you're building that relationship, you know, maybe you want to date them or whatever, you ask for their phone number so that it gives you access to them. And your desire then, once you have that access to them, is to get to know them. I hope that's how it should work anyways. Um, and so for me, it's funny because God allowed me to go through a lot more steps than just that. Um, a couple years ago, my roommate at the time signed me up for online Christian dating. Now, I was against that. Oh, my word, I was against that. Um, and he created a profile for me and said, hey, uh, here, I'm going to import your picture and all this stuff. Here's your profile. Good luck. And I, I said, no, like this is not happening. So I made him a deal. I said, I will do this 10-day uh, free trial, and then we never talk of this again, right? Like, I get to punch you in the face if you say online and dating in the same sentence to me, you know, shake on. Okay, so that was our deal. We did 10 days, and no joke, in those 10 days, I met Bethany, and it wasn't enough. So what I did is I signed up for another month. I paid for 30 days to keep talking to this girl. Uh, what I didn't know was that every time I would look at her profile, she would get a little notification that says, hey, this guy's looked at your profile. He's a creeper. Um, <laughs> so she finally messages me and says, uh, hey, I see that you've looked at my page. And I just keep thinking like, man, this girl's really pretty. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. So I didn't talk to her first. She talked to me first. And so I paid for another month so that we could keep talking because it just wasn't enough for that 10 days for me to look at her page and read about her, whatever. And so then we paid uh, a month longer to talk lo longer, and that wasn't enough. And so then I, I, I tracked her down on Facebook. Uh, I Facebook stalked her, uh, as the teenagers like to call it. So uh, I found her. I friend requested her. We became friends on Facebook, and we started talking on there. And guess what? That wasn't enough. So then I finally got up the courage, and I asked her for a phone number, and she gave it to me. And uh, we started talking on the phone. The teenagers just text each other. They don't know that you can actually call people. Um, and so, I know, that's the youth pastor. I know those things. Um, and so, I got to then talk to her on the phone, and that wasn't enough. So then we Skyped. We Skyped each other, and we started talking on, on the computer where we could see each other, right? And we could hear each other, and that wasn't enough. And so I said, I got this bright idea, like light bulb, you know, like... Why don't we meet each other, right? Who would have thought? Let's meet each other face to face. And so she came down here and Aaron O'Hara and uh, Aaron and David were so gracious. Thank you, Aaron, for letting Bethany stay at your house when total stranger. But she came down for a weekend and got to meet some of my friends here. And uh, that wasn't enough. It's like, man, I like this girl. I want to spend time with her. So every weekend that I possibly could, we would try to spend time together so much so that I decided, all right, it's my turn. She was living 
uh, in New York on Long Island, and I said, I'll come visit you. So I bought a train ticket out of Baltimore into New York and was then going to take the light rail out to Long Island. And uh, I did that. I asked Brenda Rhoda if she would be kind enough to take me to the train station. And Brenda said, I would be glad to take you to the train station to meet this beautiful young lady. And uh, she said, what time does your train leave? I said, it leaves about 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon. And, you know, it was Friday afternoon, and Brenda says, uh, well, what time do we need to leave? And I said, we should probably leave by 2. We'll give us about an hour uh, to get to Baltimore. And she goes, Eric, it's 2.15. Oh, man, we got to go. So Brenda hands me the keys to her car and says, you're going to have to drive because I can't get us there in 45 minutes. So I put on my Jeff Gordon uh, mindset, and, and we hopped on 70, and I'm weaving in and out of traffic. I was one of those guys on that day. I don't always drive like that. Okay, maybe sometimes. Uh, and so I'm, I'm weaving in and out of traffic, and no joke, here's what Brenda is doing. She's in the front seat just like rocking back and forth, eyes closed, praying. She told my mom she saw Jesus that day. <laughs> so... Here's Brenda, you know, we get there, we made it, we have like three minutes to spare, and Brenda like falls out of the car, she's laying on the ground like, land, right? She's all excited that we finally made it safe and sound, there's not a scratch on her car. I'm going to get in line to get my ticket, and I reach in my pocket to grab my ID out of my wallet. And the lady looks at me and she goes, your train is leaving now, run, don't even worry about the ticket, just get on, show them your boarding pass. I'm the last one on with the conductor, like the door's closed behind me. And I'm like, I'm on my wallet. So I call Brenda, right? Brenda, are you still here? Yes, I'm still here. She was like, I'm laying on my, black, on my back in the grass. Like, I'm not, John's going to have to come pick me up. I'm not driving, you know. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm on my wallet. What am I going to do? It's the first time I'm going to New York to meet all of Bethany's friends. Like, they're going to think I'm all kinds of things. So I'm like, I'll just rob somebody on the train and get some money. It'll be totally fine. No, I didn't do that. I didn't think that either. So um, we get to New York. I text her. I said, I don't have my wallet. I don't have any money. It really is a miracle that we got married. Um, So God is so good. And yet, honestly, guys, even all of those times that we were able to spend together, all of the experiences that we had, it still wasn't enough to the point where then she said, you know what, maybe I'll move to Frederick. She lived with with Mary Beth Myers, and Mary Beth was so kind to let her live with her. And so for the past year or so, Bethany lived here. We lived 20 minutes apart. She lived in Walkersville. I live in Frederick, and and that wasn't enough. So we got married, and now we live in the same house, and we've been married for a month and a week. And you know what? It's still not enough to be able to spend time together. Now, maybe those of you who've been married for longer than me can say, it doesn't get any better, you know. It, it, it does. That's not what I mean. The time. You, you still want to spend time with them, right? I hope. It's not enough. You just want to spend time with them because you love them. You're growing in that relationship with them. And guys, my thought is that this morning, if we really understand that we're seated with Christ and we have continual access to the Father, we get to talk to him. We get to grow in our relationship with him. That should drive my dependency on him. See, now I'm very dependent on Bethany because we live in the same house and I don't know where anything is. I got done doing the dishes the other day and I turned around to pull the towel off of the refrigerator door where I always had it and it wasn't there. And I had to ask, where are the towels? I have no idea. We're dependent on each other. But see, maybe for some of you, you're not dependent on God the way that you used to when you first 
fell in love with him. So let me ask you, where did you first meet God? I don't care if you're married or not. I'm talking to all of us. Where did you first meet God? What's your story? How did you fall in love with him? Maybe you first had that experience where you knew that you were missing something. Maybe then you started to talk to him. You started to pray. You started to include God. You started to tell him how you felt. You started to tell him things that you didn't tell other people. Maybe you started to hear him. You started reading his word. You started to see him in everything. You couldn't stop thinking about him. You couldn't get enough. You wanted more. And then maybe you became a follower of Christ. You surrendered like we sang in that song. You laid your life down and you said, God, I accept the gift that you've given me of your son. You went public. Maybe you made it Facebook official. Maybe you got baptized like we're going to do in a couple of weeks. And I encourage you to do that if you haven't done it before. But to make it public, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm in a relationship with him. You would spend all your time with him. But honestly, maybe now you're, that relationship has lost its wonder. It's fizzled. Maybe you're not as passionate about God as you used to be. You've become independent from him. You've said, God, thanks for giving me the gifts and abilities that you've given me. Now I can make it through life on my own. And even though we may not think that, that's how we're living our lives. So this morning, I want to challenge us. I'm calling us to move from a state of independence to a state on dependence on God. Understanding that we're seated with Christ. We have continual access to God. Well, maybe you don't understand what God has really done for you. Maybe that's a little foggy still. So this morning, what I want to do is I want us to look at Ephesians. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, and and I'm going to read through uh, chapter 2, verse 6. And here's what I want us to do. If you want to open and turn in your Bibles, you can. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. Uh, It's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. And for most of us, we've been in the book of Ephesians so far during this series. We've been looking at what it says, but I want us to look at this with fresh eyes, with a new perspective. Let's imagine, and I'm reading from a different translation that we wouldn't normally use, so that we'll hear it in a different way than maybe we've always known it, because I'm hoping that something will stick out here. So follow with me here. This is the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus. I want us to imagine as if Paul is writing to us this letter, all right? And he starts out with a prayer here in verse 18. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are rich and glorious inheritance, right? We are rich, like we've been talking about. I also pray, verse 19, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all these things under the authority of Christ and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of us, the church, his people. And 
The church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Then, verse 1 of chapter 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's wrath, just like everyone else. You see, before we knew God, we were all dead. And I love verse 4. It starts out, but God. But God, who is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that he even... Though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. God gave us this incredible gift. He looked at us, he saw our sinfulness, he saw our brokenness, he saw how we tried desperately to be independent of him, and yet he sent his son from heaven to earth, from a perfect place to a sinful place, to die on the cross in my place and in your place, to pay the penalty for the evil things that you've done. We've all sinned against a holy God. And he loved us so much that he sent his only son to fill in for us, to die for us. That's incredible when you think about it. And yesterday, 120 people crossed from death into life. And maybe there's someone here this morning who needs to do the same. Because you've been united with Christ, this verse says that we can have new life. We can be raised with Christ. And because we have a relationship with him, where does it say Jesus is? Because of what he did for us and because of my relationship with him, Jesus is not here anymore. He's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And because I know Jesus, now I know God. God says, you're my child, just like Jesus is my son. We have access to him. Maybe it'll help to think of it in this way. In the Old Testament, there was a high priest. And before Jesus had walked the earth, there was a high priest who would make sacrifices for the people's sins. They would take to him the firstborn of their their livestock and they would say, hey, I've sinned. High priest, you know, atone my my sins and and take this animal and, and sacrifice it as a burnt offering unto the Lord for forgiveness of my sins. And so day and night, the high priest would be working. He would go into the inner the inner of holy of holies, and, and he, there was no seats in there. He didn't sit down. He was continually working at the forgiveness of sins and making these sacrifices on behalf of the people. And yet the book of Hebrews tells us that after Jesus came, Jesus is now our great high priest. And he worked. He did the things. It is only by God's grace, his gift, his son, that we can have forgiveness of our sins accepting the gift that he gave us. And I love the fact that it says Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven because his work was completed. The high priest was done. Jesus said when he 
died on the cross, it is finished. It's over. He's seated in the heavenly realms. Now, here is the coolest thing. Look uh, on the screen. We're going to compare two verses. One verse in, chapter, in, in verse 20 from Ephesians chapter 1 with verse 6 in chapter 2. This is so cool when, when we realize what God has done for us. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And then, okay, so that's chapter one. A few verses later, it's almost the exact same verse, but now there's something that's been added to it. You see here, we have been raised from the dead along with Christ. And God seated us with him, Jesus, in the heavenly realms. Well, why? Look at it. Because we are united with Christ. So for those of us who are united with Christ, we're followers of him. We've laid our lives down. We've surrendered. We've made it public. We're in this relationship with Christ. We have access to the Father. We're seated at the right hand of the throne of God with Christ. Now, hear me clearly. That does not mean that we are Jesus. That does not mean that we have the same power, that we're equal with Christ, but we're seated with him. Colossians 3 says that since you are seated with Christ, set your mind on the things above. So let's understand, what is a seat? Why did you pick the seat that you picked today? Well, maybe you, you, that's where I always sit. Three rows back, four seats in, every time. That's where I sit. And when visitors come and they sit in my spot, I'm going to give them evil looks. Don't sit in my seat at church, right? I hope we don't do that. I've seen it, but I hope we don't. Um, When you go to the movie theater, right, you want to make sure that you, you get there a little bit early so that you don't have to sit where? In the front row and just be like this the whole time and your neck will hurt, right? You want to get there so that you can get a good seat so that you can get the most out of the experience, Well, shouldn't that be what we do with God in our relationship with him? At the end of the day, right? When you've you've worked a long day, you get home from work, what do you do? You just want to sit. And you probably have a place that you sit. Everyone knows that's dad's chair. That's where mom sits. That's They come home and they sit and you relax and you watch TV or you get on Facebook or you play games or you tell the kids to leave you alone because that's your spot. Well, what if we understood that in our relationship with God, because we've been seated with Christ and we have access to the Father, and that made us desire to be dependent on him and we longed to be in his presence out of our love for him, then shouldn't we have a a seat, a place where we spend time with him? Parents, what if your kids knew that when you sat in this specific chair in the house, that that is the place where you go to be with God and you read his word and you spend time in prayer and you spend time worshiping him and, and the kids just know, look, when I'm in this spot, this is time for me with God, just leave me alone. And you're not watching TV, you're not on Facebook, you're just time to be alone with God. Hebrews chapter four gives us such a, a cool picture of this. In, in verse 14, it says, so then since we have a great High priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. 
Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Then in verse 16, it says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. You see, a seat isn't just a place of comfort, but a seat is also a place of honor and authority. In fact, if, if you went over to someone's house and they wanted to honor you, they may give you their good chair. They may say, hey, here, sit at the head of the table, the place of honor, of authority. When you go to a, a great banquet, there's the person that's being honored or the person that's in authority. They sit at the head of the table, right? But a seat is, is not just a place of comfort. It's not just a place of honor or authority, but it also allows us to be in proximity with people in closeness with them. So what if this morning you came into this room and it's a large room and and there was no one else here and there was one person right in the very middle and for whatever reason, you just decided I'm gonna sit down in the chair right next to them. Nobody else is in the whole room. You sit down in the chair right next to them. You're rubbing shoulders with them and they start talking to you. They start asking you all these questions. Hey, what's your name? How's it going? Where do you live? What do you do? And you just ignored them. You didn't respond, you didn't even look at them, you just pretended like they weren't even there. Well, that would be absurd, right? No, none of us would do that. None of us would probably sit right next to the person. But I think sometimes that's what we do to God. We just pretend that he's not in the room. We just pretend that he doesn't exist. There's times, don't get me wrong, when I come to church and God's there on Sunday morning, he he lives in the church, right? But... We leave and we act like he's not there. His proximity doesn't affect us. We don't desire to depend on him or to go deeper in our relationship with him. In Psalm 84, I love this. The psalmist says, I long to enter the courts of the Lord. And then at the very end of the chapter, he makes this very profound statement. He said, it's better to be one day in the throne room of God than a thousand elsewhere. It's better to be one day in God's courts than a thousand elsewhere. And to go back to Hebrews 4, verse 16, I love the end of this verse. You should look this one up. He says, there will be, there in God's presence at his throne, will will we receive his mercy and we can find grace to help us when we need it the most. It's in God's presence that we receive his mercy and his grace to help us when we need it the most. And yet, let's be honest, church, that when we are needing help the most, we go to a friend. We go to something else. We don't go to God. So I want us to picture, what what is it like to go into the throne room of God? What is it like to be in his presence? Revelation chapter four gives us a a picture of what this is like. And I think that oftentimes it's helpful for us before you go to a new place, before you buy a house, before you're gonna live there, you wanna know what it looks like. You wanna have an idea of, is this a right fit? Is this comfortable? Can I be myself there? Uh, Maybe before you first came to this church, you checked us out online and you looked up like, what are they all about? What what does the stage look like? Where do we worship? You wanted to just kind of see it. I think it will be helpful for us if we look into the throne room of God to see what goes on there so that we can approach his throne with a confidence, with boldness, like Hebrews 4 says. 
Let us come boldly to the throne of God and there we will receive his mercy and grace to help us when we need it the most. So I'm gonna invite the praise team to come back up and let's read Revelation 4 together. Let's look at this, this awesome picture. Maybe if you need to, close your eyes, picture this as I read describing uh, of what the throne room of God looks like. This is John who's writing and he's trying his best to describe what this throne room looks like. And he says, after this, verse one, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first speaking to me was like a trumpet and said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And he says in verse two, at once I was in the spirit and there before me, picture this, at once I was in the spirit and there before me was this door that was standing open in heaven. And in a throne in heaven, there had someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, these gems. And a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne were these 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Can you picture this? Uh, Imagine if you came into this room this morning, and there was this large chair with this throne with someone seated on it, and there's this rainbow encircling the throne. First, you'd be like, wow, that's pretty. But then you realize there's thunder and lightning coming from that chair. That's scary to think about. There's these 24 other people who are seated in the place of honor and they're focused on him. They have, they're dressed all in white. They have crowns of gold. And then look what it says. Before the throne, there were seven lamps that, that they're not just lit. These lamps, they're blazing. They're on fire. These are the seven spirits of God. And also before the throne, there was what looked like a, a sea of glass as clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne were these four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first, he says, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and they were covered with eyes all around, even under their wings. Now, I don't know about you, but if you come into a place like that, where I, I'm, I'm sure this is only a small glimpse of what is taking place there, and there's thunder and lightning coming from the throne. There's these four weird creatures that have six wings and they're covered in eyes. First of all, I, there's no way you can sneak up on God. You can't surprise him. And yet, when you understand who is seated on the throne, he's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's all-powerful. We can come into his throne room and look what the four living creatures and the elders are doing. It says, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Would you say that with me? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Day and night, these living creatures, they never stop. They never stop saying that. 
God's not just holy. He's three times holy. He's holy, holy, holy. And when the four living creatures say this, the, the elders, they, they fall on their face. They fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They, they take off their crowns. They lay them before the throne. And they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For catch this, you created all things. And by your will, they were created and there have their being. See, God the Father, seated on the throne, and according to Ephesians 1 and 2, where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father in the place of honor. And Ephesians 2, 6 says that we have been raised from the dead and we are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. We can come into his throne room and we can blow past the four living creatures. When we walk into God's throne room, he says, that's Eric, that's my son, I know him. Come up here and sit with me. And I can bring my request to God. I can go and I can sit with him. Because I'm united with Christ, God says, this is my son. And yet, we don't live that way. Guys, we have continual access to the Father because we're seated with Christ. Do you talk to him? Do you love him? Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with him? Do you depend on him? When you have to make a decision, do you turn to him? God, would you help me? Teach me your ways. What do, what do you want me to do? See, we have an opportunity right now and this week, and it's a new month, it's June 2nd, to grow in our relationship with God, to go deeper in our dependence because of our proximity with him. So I want to challenge us this morning as we sing Revelation song, which is a song that describes beautifully the throne room of God. I want us to be transformed. Maybe you need to reclaim a seat in your house. Maybe it's your car. When you're in the driver's seat, that's your time to spend with the Lord. And you picture in the forefront of your mind him who's seated on the throne and you come into his presence you blow past the 24 elders and the four living creatures and you just go and sit on his lap and you tell him what's going on. You listen to him. Picture that the next time before you read God's word this week. Picture seating with him on the throne and allowing him to speak to you and then read God's word and then spend time in prayer. Let's practice that even right now as we worship him. Maybe you need to just get on your face before God and you need to lay down your crowns, the things that you've been holding on to. Maybe you don't have this relationship with Christ and you're not united with him. You know what? You need to come and get saved and cross over from death into life. And I challenge us to do that now, to step into obedience as we enter his throne room.